gosh, everybody here? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Nice. Yay. Woohoo. <laughs> the gang is back. I Yay. know. <laughs> Even back in the country. And you have freshly did hair, so we've all had an adventure. Well, mine's not as uh, adventurous as yours, <laughs> but <laughs> I have so many questions. Fire away. I think it'll be easier for me to answer questions than to just talk, because if I talk, I won't stop. In fact, even if you <laughs> questions, I probably won't stop. It was, uh, uh, for those who don't know, I went to Italy for 10 days, and uh, it was the, the trip of a lifetime. It's not my first time in Europe. I've, I've been very, very blessed with opportunities to travel, and I will always be very grateful for that. Um, but this one was um, really like no other. It was really extraordinary, partly because I spent a lot of time by myself, which I'd never done before. And there were so many things that I wanted to share with other people. So what I did was I just made videos and sent them to them. <laughs> like uh, when I was at the Trevi, at the Trevi Fountain, you know, you're supposed to make a, uh, throw coins in and make a wish for love. So I threw some coins in and I made a, a video for my wife, Sharon, and I sent it to her. And then I was at, uh, we'll talk about the music in a, in a while, but I, everywhere you go is American music. No matter where you go, in the smallest <laughs> town where I was in Northern Europe, to the train station in Milan, to the train station in Rome, to uh, the waiting in line for the Vatican outside this little shop. Everywhere you hear is American music. And I heard a show <laughs> tune, like the most obscure show tune from this show called Chess that always reminds me of my friend Jeffrey. So, of course, I just videoed myself singing along to the song and sent that to him. So that's the nice thing about technology is even when you're by yourself, you're never far away from those you love. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. By God, I don't even know where to start. Lori, do you want to start? Because I'm like... I know. Well, first Food. of all, we were worried you wouldn't be able to come back. Yeah, I had that thought too. <laughs> Whoa. So here, here's the deal. Um, COVID was definitely a, a specter of the whole trip in terms of logistics. Um, I will tell you, honestly, I was never, uh, I've, I've said this all along. I was never particularly concerned about getting the virus. I was concerned about testing positive for the virus, not so much about getting sick, but that it would limit my ability either to go anywhere or to come home. I mean, I really did have a contingency plan for what would happen if I had to spend 10 days in Rome, which I know sounds like, oh, you poor you had to spend 10 days in Rome. <laughs> but remember, there's an expense involved in that. So mm -hmm. um, the first thing I did was for the first time in my whole life, I actually bought trip insurance. I'd never done that before. Um partly in case anything got canceled or anything got, got interrupted because of COVID. But because of COVID, the trip insurer, whose name I can't recall at the moment, actually had a special caveat in there about what would happen if you got stuck somewhere because of, of a positive test. Um, so that is something that I uh, kind of had like 50% worked out before I left, um, knowing that, that I would have uh, alternatives. But Nevertheless, the idea of being stuck someplace where, you know, you don't speak the language um, was a little nerve wracking mm. till I found out that just about everybody speaks the language. <laughs> um, uh, very few places you can go in the world anymore where people don't speak English. Older people, not so much, but pretty much anybody under 40 is, is pretty much fluent. Um, I would say almost anybody under 50 at this point. Um, so that turned out to, to not be an issue. Uh, a lot of paperwork involved, even before I left. Uh, the airline I was on, Delta, sent me daily updates, you know, letting me know what restrictions were and, 
you know, if you are vaccinated, which I am, there was um, no need to quarantine, but I did have to bring my actual vax card. I bought these cute little, um, little plastic envelopes that exactly fit the vax card. And I kept that in a secure location along with my passport. And I had to show it a lot. I had to show it at the airport. I had to show it anytime I went in, I went into the Vatican. Uh, I went into any kind of attraction. If you went into a McDonald's and wanted to sit indoors. And yes, I went to a McDonald's in Italy. We'll talk about that later. But, um, you have, you have to show your Vax card or in Europe what they call a green pass. So that is definitely a thing. They won't let you in if you're not vaccinated in some places. Uh, you do have to wear a mask indoors just about everywhere. I've been wearing a mask solid for 10 days straight. Guess what? Other than a few extra zits, I need to tell about it. Um, I heard very few people complaining. I mean, honestly, I swear to God, even on the airplane, they occasionally had to make an announcement to remind everybody that you have to keep your mask on after you're done with your meal, put it back on, even if you're asleep on these, you know, 10, 12 hour long flights. But I never heard any human beings complaining anywhere, even in Rome where it was 100 freaking degrees. Nobody whined about the mask because everybody knew if they wanted to get going anywhere that they were going to have to do it. Um and then coming home, more paperwork for the airline. You know, I had to uh, attest for the airline that, that I was vaccinated or that I didn't have any symptoms. I had to go get a test in Rome. Um, they have these uh, white tents outside of pharmacies there. And it uh, costs 22 euros, which is like 20, 25 bucks. And you go and you, you, they're doctors, they're actual physicians in these tents. And you don't have to, you know, take, you take a number and you wait in line. I only had to wait maybe 15 minutes. And they give you the results within two hours. And you don't have to sit there and wait for it. I actually got my results in the middle of the Coliseum. An email popped in saying, congratulations, you're negative. Of course, it was all in Italian, but I recognized the word negative. Um, (laughs) And I was very relieved when that popped in. And then I got to the airport and had to fill out more forms. And the forms are, I don't want to say they're silly. It's really honor system. I mean, all you're saying is, yes, I'm this. No, I'm that. There's nothing on this piece of paper other than your signature that's particularly binding. But boy, did I have to fill it out a lot um, on the way there and on the way back because I I flew through Amsterdam. So you didn't have to like spit on some paper so that they could really know that you're telling the truth? Nope, nope. Once once, uh, on the way there, I spit on nothing. And on the way back, I just had a giant Q-tip shoved up my nostrils. And, uh, you know, once, once I had done that, I felt free and clear. Uh, you did have to do it within three days of your return. So I had it done on Saturday. So then I was, was able to relax for the next couple of days, knowing that I was going to be able to get on the plane and, um, you know, that was it. So, you know, it's definitely something that you're keeping in mind while you're there, but it honestly did not stop me from, from doing anything. Is the mask in COVID as political or divisive as it is here in this country over there in Italy? Uh, probably I made a concerted effort to not watch any news, but there were times when I was out at a bar or restaurant where I saw the television playing. Um, mostly it was talking about Afghanistan, but every once in a while they would break in with something COVID. And I did occasionally see uh, people, what I interpreted to be uh, people discussing mask mandates and, and that type of thing. But in terms of the people that I met and spoke to and hung out with, no. I, I didn't hear anything like that at all. But remember, Italy was one of the very first, one of the hardest hit countries very first when this whole thing started mm-hmm. last March. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they locked it down. I mean, they locked down the country. And yeah, you can say, well, we're a smaller country than they are. Sure, of course they're a smaller country, but it's still a big country. It still encompasses mm-hmm. like, be like, 
you know, the western half of the United States, right? I mean, it's still a lot of land, and you're talking, you're ranging from mountain folks to city folks to, to you know, these are major cities, Venice, Milan, um, you know, Rome, these are, these are huge cities with a lot of people in it, and their economy is very much an international economy. It's an EU economy, and it's a world economy, um, just on a smaller scale than us. But they shut the entire country down for weeks weeks last year because so many people were sick and dying and their hospitals were overrun. And they didn't question it. They just did it. Whereas here, we never really accomplished that, right? Like one city did it and then another state did it and then another state did it and then another state didn't do it and still hasn't done it. And I don't think they have a version of Florida there, right? You know what I mean? Like they didn't have a choice. They just had leadership strong enough to say, do it. And we didn't have that leadership at the beginning of our pandemic. We had people who questioned everything. Um, and so we never really had a strong enough hand to do it. So they're way ahead of us in a lot of ways. Um, so they don't, I think Delta is a thing there, but based on the percentage of the population, it's not nearly the thing it is here because they cut it off at the head a year ago. So they don't have it as bad as we do? No. They're not surging? No. No, not 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 in the same way. Um, they're definitely more more conscious. I mean, starting like there were you didn't have to show that vax card or what they call the green pass there until the beginning of August until pretty much right around when I got there. So I think they're definitely aware of the surge, but nothing was closed. I'm telling you, nothing was closed, you know, other, other than the things that, mm. that closed there in August because it's too hot and the locals all leave for two weeks on vacation. Uh, there was no, there was nothing you couldn't do as long as you could show proof of, of vaccination. And even then outdoors, you didn't need it. You had to wear a mask until you were actually eating, but no one asked to see anything for the, you know, uh, uh trattorias where I sat outside. So Garth Brooks could actually, uh, have a concert there, not here. I believe that is true, yes. As far as I know, I think Garth Brooks would have a better chance of not having had to cancel his shows there than, than here. Yeah. Or a million other things. Or, or my, you know, city of Savannah, where I lived for 10 years before I moved back to Seattle, just had to shut everything down. Everything. The, um, the, the baseball season ended early. The um, uh, city hall is closed to the public. The police station. Everything. All, all again. Same place we were a year ago because... People just refuse to get vaccinated. Oh, I didn't know Savannah and other places were like actually shut down. Yeah, it just happened a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really frustrating. It hit us personally for a way too. I can't explain what it is. Nobody's sick, but there was an event that we had planned and um, we've had to cancel that event. So I'm very disappointed oh. about that. But you just, you can't hold public gatherings anymore. I've, I've got, you know, friends out here in Washington that are like wedding DJs that are, like finally just got back into business and you know there, there's a clear threat of that getting shut down again and I'm sorry if you blame the government for it but the truth is we just never really got a handle on it here you know and and other countries like Italy and I think some other European countries just took it so seriously at the beginning that even though they may be experiencing Delta um, percent you know based on their population versus ours it's not nearly the hit that we're taking. It's almost like there's a lesson in this. Yeah, there is a lesson in it. It's a complicated lesson, isn't it? You know, I mean, you can't. It, it really yeah, is. It's so, it's frustrating. And and I think it has, I wish I could pinpoint what it is. Um, 
that 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 stops people. I mean, I can understand, okay, the vaccine came along too fast. I had the same thought. I mean, you can listen to our podcast, go back and listen to our archives, you know, back in November and December when when all three of us, I think, were like, nah, it's too soon. I don't want that thing. It happened too fast. And then, you know, three or four months later, we were all vaccinated, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a point at which you 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 need to trust the science. I, one of the things that's frustrating me lately, a conversation I've been having sometimes with people in person and mostly in my head, I think a lot of people fail to understand is this is a virus. <laughs> you don't get to control a virus. You don't get to tell a virus what to do and what not to do. <laughs> Viruses change. They mutate. They're a little, they're kind of hard to pin down. There's no cure for the common cold. There is no cure for the common cold, right? You mm-hmm. take medicines to make you feel better. But the fact is for thousands of years, we've been getting colds and we're going to continue to get them because you can't, stop a virus all you can do is treat it right right and you can vaccinate against the possibility of getting it and this technology for for creating the vaccines that we have is about 20 20 some odd years old it's not brand new it's just something that we never heard of and it's scary to think that they're messing with your rna but um but the messaging you know, in a country like ours where we have oh god i'm going to get in trouble for saying this but <laughs> We have so much freedom of speech and thought and, and ability to express our opinions. And thank God we do. I'd, I'm so glad I don't live in a country where my thought is squelched, right? Where I can believe what I want to believe. Yeah. But within that freedom comes a responsibility to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. And there are so many people that just don't do that, whether they refuse to do it or they don't have the capacity to do it or they just frankly don't have the time to do it. They turn on the TV, they listen to whatever their favorite news anchor tells them is going on, and then they get on with their day. And without research and critical thinking and a little bit of thought, you only get what you're told. And if you're only listening to things that are preaching to your particular choir, you're only going to hear those things. And so many people are like, well, they keep moving the goal line. Who's they, right? The scientists? They're not moving the goal line. The virus is moving the goal line. We're just trying to keep up with it as best we can. You know, I think that in other other countries, and you know, Italy's a, you know, a free country. It's not like they're a dictatorship or anything anymore. Um, but they had a really strong leader who said, this is what we're doing. Um, and they did it. And we didn't have that here. We had a, a leader who maybe is strong in some ways, but um, was not thoughtful. And that trickled down to other leadership at the state level and at the local level. And so we had this kind of hodgepodge of, of, of reactions to it, right. and we've never gotten over it. And meanwhile, the virus is just moving on. Now I'm on Delta. I'm going to be on Lambda soon, you know, while half of the country is like, oh, I don't know. Facebook says I could get, you know, a Microsoft microchip and they're going to be able to track me. So I better not get that vaccine. And it's not my problem because I'm 25 years old, so I can't get sick. You know, um, it's just a lack of education or a, or a lack of desire to get education. It's very frustrating. And then when you go someplace where, you know, everybody's just compliant, it was kind of refreshing. You, you just like put us in a... This, you summarized us like perfectly, and I'm, I don't know if that's because you went to Italy, distanced yourself, and then came back like, okay, this is how this is the deal. Yeah. This is how we are. I think it is. 
but it's true. Yeah. Well, and we haven't experienced anything else, Anna and I. So for you to go and experience that, that's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I mean, I will admit I was on vacation. It's not like I was going to work every day, right? I mean, it maybe it's a different experience. But I was in a major city where it wasn't just tourist attractions. There were offices and restaurants and things that have nothing to do with tourism, of just regular people going about their day. And they were going about it, you know. Um, I'm sure they have remote, you know, they're doing remote work and all of that kind of stuff there too as well. But um, I just... I expected the same, and I didn't see the same. I saw better. Mm, wow. You know, and, and these are like the conversations that like, so yesterday I was at my hairdresser, and we were talking about how very confusing it is. And we're talking like, why is it even this confusing? Why is it so confusing? Uh, and to hear you talk about Italy, not being so confused about it, doing something about it, it's really eye-opening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was very eye-opening. Um, I, yeah, that's all. <laughs> Can we talk about food now? <laughs> I was just going to say, what, what was your favorite? What, what did you love? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two. Um, first of all, my time, the first half of my trip was in a, a tiny little village called Quarna, up in the mountains in northern Italy in the lake region. Like, um, and this town is, you know, I don't know, several hundred years old, right? And and it's just, you would never, if you put these houses in a movie, you would never believe it. You know, stone on top of brick, on top of corrugated roof, on top of brand new, you know, tile, you know, all this kind of stuff. Just mishmash together. And this is just a beautiful village of people. This is where my brother is living and he's doing some work uh, regarding the music in this town. Music has been important to this town for um hundreds of years, but really especially in the last about 150 years because uh, they became known for manufacturing musical instruments. There's a a factory there where they made uh, oboes and clarinets and then saxophones, one of the premier saxophone builders still in the world today. Um, And it's this tiny little village. I mean, it would be like... um, uh, Monroe <laughs> or, or it's even smaller, you know, like suddenly becoming like the epicenter of music, right? Um, what's a, no, what's one of those, uh, what's, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the, of the place in the mountains. Uh, it'll come to me in a minute, but anyway, so that's why my, that's one of the reasons why my brother is there. And when I went to see him and I spent the first week just with these people who live there, like really cool people. A lot of them are musicians. A lot of them sing, um, the church is, uh, the town is very much centered around their church. And I happened to be there during a, a feast day or during the, the festival of the assumption, which was August 15th. And, uh, they had the honor of, of having, there's a, a statue of the Madonna that goes to different towns every year and they got it this year. And so there was a church service Sunday. Um, and then after the service, they, they take the Madonna statue and they put it up on this thing and these men carry it and they carry it all throughout the town in a parade. And it was really, really great. And then the next day was a holiday. And so most of the, of the people who live there retreated to their, um, a lot of people have little mountain cabins. So even though they live in the mountains, this is the Alps, by the way, they go a little bit higher up into the mountains where it's cooler. Cause it was really, really hot there. And they have these kind of small, um, 
vacation cabins, right? Like enough, they sleep maybe two or three people and they have a little kitchen and then the kids usually sleep outside on a tent. And my brother and I got invited to a family um, gathering on this holiday. So we spent Monday with this family at their at their vacation. My brother and I hiked up this mountain thing. And when we came back down, there was a, a feast. And that was probably my favorite day. There were probably like 25 of us crammed around like card tables and folding tables. And it was just nonstop food. <sighs> uh, risotto this and, and mortadella that and, and you know, different 5,000 kinds of sausages. And then, oh, here, eat some melon. And now here's a fish. And now here's this other thing. Oh, and here's some penne with pesto in it. And here's this other fish thing. And, you know, it just, it was constant plus the wine. And then something, I don't know what it was. It was like moonshine, basically. Everybody sang. They were singing old Italian songs. And then they were singing new songs. And then the teenagers started line dancing to like Pitbull. It's <laughs> like, all this like modern rap and hip hop. And yes, I was line dancing with them. <laughs> I'd had a couple of those moonshines. And <laughs> it was just so much fun. So that was my favorite like meal experience, I think. But the best piece of food I ate was in Rome at, of all places, the hotel I was staying at. I was trying to like go to little hole in the wall places and have like, I had just like awesome pizza and all kinds of awesome pastas. But I went up to the roof of the hotel because I knew the view was going to be nice and it was, and I was just going to go up there and have a glass of wine. And then when I got there, I'm like, oh, this is nice because it was cooler. And so I stayed up there and ended up eating dinner. And it was like this pasta they call it carbonara so the sauce is like I don't even know how to describe it like hollandaise maybe like I know that sounds weird spaghetti with hollandaise but it was kind of like that but it had this like seared tuna in it and these fresh little tomatoes and um I just chowed that bad boy (laughs) that was really good (laughs) god that sounds good so yeah it was it was good it really was I ate I ate everything do the pastas taste different uh than ours like extremely different You know, yes and no. So um, that one did, and the and the pasta at the family dinner that I ate did. um, That was homemade. Um, A lot of people do the restaurants make their own pasta usually, but um, they guess what? They buy like Barilla out of the store just like we do. (laughs) (laughs) We went to a grocery store just to like look around because I love going to grocery stores in foreign countries because they're funny. And uh, oh my God, they had a massive aisle full of like, you know, box dry (laughs) pasta. And I turned to this girl we were with and I'm like, you guys eat this stuff? She's like, well, yeah. What do you think? We all just sit around and make pasta all day. And I'm like, yeah, I did. No, oh, he didn't no. have to make pasta. We buy it off the shelf just like everybody else. <laughs> I would not even imagine that. <laughs> me neither. I was stunned. And then I'm like, what's wrong with me? That's kind of like, I don't know, racist of me to think that they wouldn't, like, they don't just sit around making pasta all day just because they're Italian. But I thought they did, you know. <laughs> did, did they have also, like, the, the veggie Borrelia pastas? That's what we buy, and I'm not sure. <laughs> they did. They would ever go that route. Yes, yes. All of that stuff, all that stuff, the red pepper and the pesto infused and all that stuff, they had all of it on the shelf. Like, this isn't right. (laughs) What's our pasta sauce of choice? You know, I didn't get into that. I don't know. All I had was in the north, um, I had two different meals that were pesto. Um, I never had anything even remotely close to red sauce when I was in the north, except for the one they did a risotto with... um, Barolo wine so the wine made it red actually more like purple um 
in the south you get more of the red stuff but north is north is different yeah we we prefer rao's pasta sauce on the safeway shelf next to the parmesan Mm-mm, parmesan i will tell you this though when you order when you have pasta in a restaurant they really do bring you a little thing of parmesan that you can sprinkle on everything so that's not an american thing that's not olive garden that's actual italy i thought that was just something we added i thought it was too but my brother told me a hilarious story about this this little village we were in only has one restaurant and uh, one one night he before not when I was there but earlier he went to the restaurant they served a, like a breaded fish over pasta, and he went and he put um, parmesan on it and the whole restaurant just stopped and went. Oh! <laughs> you don't put parmesan on fish, <laughs> but it was there. I mean, what was he supposed to do? You know, it's like putting hot dogs in spaghetti. Come on, that's right. What did you do? It's like eating pizza with a knife and fork. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but I think uh, the most eye-opening thing of, of everything being there was the music. The first night I was there, and this, and I mentioned, I, I mentioned this town is famous for music, but you know, it's mostly like classical and jazz and, and stuff like that. So this local band was playing. Um, I was there for this kind of three-day festival, and there was a local band that was playing at the town square. We went down and we ate dinner there, and we listened to them. And it was a it was a blues rock band, and they were playing. It was it was Johnny Cash, it was Elvis, and they were singing in English. And that just stunned me. Not that they knew the songs, but that they preferred to sing them in English. And everybody knew the words. Everybody is all (sighs) in there going, I fell into (laughs) burning fire. And I'm like, what is going on here? You know? (laughs) But they're like, well, I'm really in Italy. Right. I really didn't think I was. And that went on for two nights in a row. Finally, the third night, there was actually Italian music playing. I'm like, phew. But oh my gosh. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, and Anna. This is very important Mary Poppins information I need to tell you. Oh, boy. This will give you an idea of why it's so important for you to watch the entire movie and understand its <laughs> impact on the world in which we live. Oh. One of the, the little local band, one, and it's made up of people ranging like the little drummer boy, as my brother calls him, is 10 years old, and then people that play the flute, the clarinet, the saxophone, and a couple of tubas, not a tubas, uh, E-flat horns, which is kind of a smaller thing ranging up to people like in their 60s and one of the songs they played was supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and I was like laughing and when it was over and one of the ladies we were we were talking to I started singing it to her in English and she's like oh my god you know the words I'm like of course I know the words oh you must come you must come and she dragged me over to the rest of the band and they made made me sing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious the Dick Van Dyke part and then they made me do it again at that family dinner I told you about. I did it like, ended up doing it like three times that day. <laughs> so I, I bridged the international gap of age and gender across the globe by singing a Mary Poppins song. So Anna, watch the dang movie. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. What if I already saw that part of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the next time they sing, let's go fly a kite, you might not know that. You didn't make it that far, did you? Uh, yeah, maybe I did. Okay. <laughs> oh. And then the McDonald's thing, my, this made my brother so happy to tell this story. 
Um, the day I arrived, he uh, this mountain town is really, really quite far away from the airport where I flew in into Milan, and my brother doesn't have a car there, and it's very expensive to to get it, and kind of nauseating to take a cab up there. So he hired this local kid to drive him to the airport to pick me up. He paid him forty euros, and he promised him that they could stop by McDonald's because the nearest McDonald's to this town is, is an hour away. And every teenager in the world loves McDonald's and any opportunity to go there would be great. So they picked me up from the airport and that was our first stop. So my very first trip to Italy, my very first time ever there, my first meal was McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> same menu? Cheeseburger and fries. Same menu. Uh, same menu, different names. Fries are called like patates and I don't know, other things. <laughs> but yeah. Same menu. Nice. <laughs> and the condiments, that, that pasta sauce instead of ketchup? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> nope. There was ketchup, but the ketchup there is kind of weird. I will tell you that. They have weird ketchup. Really? Not the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably better. They added basil. It's more like what what up, what up here they call Portland ketchup. You know how Portland is all like, oh, we make our own ketchup. Me, 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 me. I think it was, it was kind of more like that. Like it didn't have all the really good... Like whatever the, whatever the magic is that is ketchup packets, it it wasn't like that. You know, there's probably like six thousand chemicals in there, but there's nothing like it, right? It wasn't catsup. <laughs> <laughs> was it hard to leave? Was it just like so hard to leave? It was, yeah. But I was also really tired. I I kept, you know, the old the old joke. I can't wait to get back to work so I can get some rest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was very hot and it was very, I walked, oh, my steps. I oh. uh, took the days I was in Rome. So the whole trip I was there, I averaged like 14,000 steps a day. Um, but the day I went to the Vatican was about 20,000 steps. Whoa. And the day I went to the Colosseum was about 18,000 steps. <gasps> so that equates to how many miles per day? I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't even look. I, I'm not sure. I should probably figure that out, too. I did a lot, lot of walking. A lot of walking. And it was really hot. I got a little heat strokey there. Mm. Uh, there was one day where I was like, you know, I think I better stop. And I had like a hat and sunscreen and this special shirt I have, to, you know, SPF shirt and all that kind of stuff. And I was drinking a crap ton of water, but it it was really hot. So I did, I kind of cut that day short a little bit, but... You know, there's just so much you want to see and, you know, you, you know, you'll come back. At least you tell yourself to come back. Other places I've been, I, I, I haven't been back anywhere that I've been yet. And I hope to get back to everywhere because there's always something more to see. Mm-hmm. Wow. You want to see the world. The, the best way to educate yourself is to see any place you can. Yeah. I will say this. One other thing about COVID, um, a lot of, there were a lot of Italians that were on uh, from around the country that were on vacation in Rome because of COVID, where they normally would have gone to another country. They decided to stick closer to home, and um, uh, so I met people in Rome who were from like Turin and Milan and even Venice who were there with their kids, and they're like, "Well, we hadn't been back to Rome." you know, since before we were married and since we had our kids and now our kids are old enough, we wanted to show, show them Rome. And it reminded me of like, you know, in the U S you, even if you don't want to travel to Europe, you should travel the United States. Maybe not right now is a good time, obviously, but in the future, there's so much to see in our country that your children should see the grand Canyon Mm -hmm. cities like New York and San Francisco, 
um, and other, you know, Yellowstone, Yosemite, um, uh, Salt Lake City, other like natural wonders that that people should see. And that reminded me of that, that they, you know, Rome is a tourist attraction for Italians too, just like New York is, is an attraction for Americans. I could never live in New York, but it's like fun to go there for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting that there were people vacationing there from, from other parts of Italy. There does seem to be a lot of people quitting their jobs and just either buying or renting an RV and just going around the country that way. Yeah. That'd be really cool to just, now it would probably be, well, I think maybe during COVID times, then would have probably been a great time to do that. No, no, maybe not. No, no. <laughs> I forget COVID. But, yeah. um, you know. I mean. Well, the good thing about COVID is in an RV, you can pretty much keep to yourself. You know, I yeah. mean, you could, you could still yeah. go see the country and do see things, things and do things mm-hmm. outdoors. Yeah. You just, you would want to be careful when you went any place like close proximity in public, right? Yes. Yes. And you could still work. And you could still work. That's the thing is you could, you could absolutely still work depending on your job. Yeah. This uh, friend of mine who uh, lives in, in Los Angeles, we're both big baseball fans. And she's like a, you know, my age, but like a mom of like grown kids and all that kind of stuff. And we always had that plan of uh, renting an RV and uh, driving across the country and going to every single major league ballpark and going to baseball games all summer. Yeah. <laughs> we had this like little little map planned out where like how we would go to what park and all that kind of stuff. I still would love to do that. I think that would be a blast. The only thing about an RV is I don't think I could empty the pooper. I'd have to hire someone to do that. You're a oh, modern woman. You just hook up a hose and put it in the tank. You could do it. Really? Yeah. You don't have to, like, touch it? Well, I think you just maybe put on <laughs> gloves, and then you attach the hose, and then you turn a switch, and it goes You just to put the other end of the hose into this hole wherever you dump it. Ah! Then you run a little water through it. <laughs> voila, done. You could do you it. You guys have both done this. I haven't. I haven't. But I know I could. <laughs> I, I've been single. I raised three kids on my own. If it has to be done, mom has to figure it out. <laughs> I can change a tire, change my oil. I mean, yeah, we could figure it out. You could do it. I believe in you. Okay. I don't know if, uh, you know, there's newer technology with RVs, but I would imagine they're thinking of anything to, to make it so that it's not as gross as you think. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess I pick up dog poop every day. I suppose it's, you know, I shouldn't be that squeamish. I feel like dog poo and human poo are really different. They are. Yeah, they really are. They're probably not, but it feels like they are. Right? <laughs> they both steam. Yeah, that, that they do. I don't know. I just remember, like, more than once in my life, I have been on someone's RV and they were and they were like, oh, please don't, if you have to use the bathroom, please don't, you know, number two there. Oh. Like so many people have asked not to do that, that I just have it in my head that it's like a horrible experience to deal oh. with. But, you know, maybe these are like old RVs from the 70s that just didn't work that well. Well, and plus the quicker they fill up, the more, more you have to, you know, clean them. So. so they just didn't want it to fill up. Yeah. Huh. Ugh. Well, plus, you know, things things improve so quickly, like even, you know, having a baby when I had a baby and all the things that you have now for kids, I think for an RV, they probably have models that are so do it yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. just for that reason. 
but but where do you do it yourself? <laughs> it's the thing you have to. You can go, go to the state campsite? park. You can go. There's dump uh-huh. sites. You, you just get on your little app and you find a dump site. Because you okay. know, yeah, like people uh, travel and like they'll travel for months in their RVs, so they just find a. Uh, they're all over. You just don't know it if you don't have an RV. But once you have an RV, then you know to look for them. Huh. So there's an app. You can get an app and you can like look up where all the where the dump dumpers are. Well, I don't know that for sure, but there's got to be an app, a poop app. Yeah, a poop app. <laughs> if, if there's a bathroom app, there's got to be a, a, a dumping app. <laughs> you know what I say about that? Heart, heart, heart poop. <laughs> oh, gosh. Paying attention oh, to what you're boy. texting. <laughs> there, There is one cute story I would like to tell. Um, my brother and I had taken a day trip to this one place or we were trying to take this day trip and um the train was canceled we got to the train station and the train was canceled so it was going to be two more hours before we could get another train and we were on kind of a, a tight schedule that day and we're standing at this tiny train station in this in this little town and the lady selling tickets did not speak very good english so she was not she was trying to be helpful, but we just kind of weren't getting our message across about how are we going to get to this other place. And there was this group of, of um, German tourists there that were trying to get to Switzerland, uh, two different groups. Uh, there was a young man, and then there was a, a young man, he was like 25, and then there was a family, like a mom, dad, and a kid. And um, they were also trying to, to talk to this lady, but their Italian was better than ours. And we figured out that we could call a cab. And we decided to share a cab. Um, and so sure enough, this taxi came and, and drove all of us. Um, they were uh, to the uh, this other train station where a bus or something. No, he actually drove us to the town where we were all trying to go. And they were all, you know, went to the bus station. But we were talking to uh, this one German tourist, this just really adorable young man. He was on his way to a wedding in Switzerland, and he really had to get there. And hang on, I want to look this up to, to get it right. And he was um, he was trying to explain to us um, about his brother and and his his fiance, and he said it he his English, it didn't have a lot of English, but it was pretty decent. But he said, um, uh, "I'm going because uh, my brother uh, made an application to her to get married," and I'm like, "Made an application like." Oh, engagement. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like my brother, he made an application to her. And I'm like, he had to like fill out a form and triplicate in order to get her to marry him. <laughs> oh, okay. Application. That must mean got down on one knee and said, will you marry me? <laughs> so cute. I just love, I love, I love languages and learning languages and, and, you know, talking to people who, who struggle with English the same way I struggle with other languages. <laughs> it's something very, but we're all human, right? We all have the same stories. We just mm-hmm. don't necessarily mm-hmm. all have the same words to tell the stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I'm afraid to like go to a different country and try to, you know, just Google translate. Cause I know they're going to laugh at me. They will, but <laughs> I then would they'll, do the same thing. They'll help you. Yeah. They'll, they'll correct you. Yeah. I've used <laughs> Google translate a couple of times. Um, Did you? Not too much. Oh. Not too much, just a couple, just a couple of times. I did it with the cab, the cab driver, the uh, guy who picked me up to take me to the airport at two thirty in the morning on Monday. Uh, he spoke zero English, and the um, 
hotel, that bellhop at the hotel, the guy who helped me arrange the ride the night before spoke perfect English, but the bellhop who was there on the overnight shift did not. So I used Google Translate just to make sure that everybody knew that I was that I was getting in the right van and going to the airport. Um, and then there was another another time when I did it when I was trying to say something really complicated and it wasn't working. Um, but other than that, I think between the hand gestures, my brother made made this great observation. He was absolutely right. There are certain old people like grandmas that you understand perfectly. Because they're expressive and they talk with their hands. Oh. And there was this lady, uh, the home, I told you about the little vacation home we went to up in the mountains with the family. She was telling me the story of that. She was born in this house, what is now their little vacation home, this two, like, room, that, house that sleeps two people. She was born there during, before World War II. Huh. Um, but during World War II, they were living up there. She told me this whole story in Italian only, no English, using hand gestures. And I got someone to confirm lately that I understood her absolutely perfectly. This lady's probably 80 years old. <laughs> and basically, there was a sniper. Um, she didn't say what country, but I'm assuming it was from one of the allies or whatever, or the Axis, who was um, shooting into the town and he hit the statue of the Madonna. And if he, if he hadn't have hit the statue of the Madonna, the bullet would have killed her father. Oh. And so that's one of the many reasons why they believe the Madonna and the statue of the Madonna is a miracle because her life, his life was saved by this sniper, from the sniper by the statue. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. The story gave me goosebumps. But the fact that she told me the story with no English and I understood it was really wow. something. Well, gosh, I, I'm, I love that you're back. I'm sorry you had to leave Italy because it sounded like a wonderful, wonderful experience. And thanks for it sharing. Was, yeah, you bet. Thanks for letting me blather so much this hour. Um, I needed a break. It's been a weird year. It's been a weird few years, to be honest. Yeah. And um, it's the first real break I've had from any of that. And um, it was, it was, again, I'm very grateful and blessed to have had the opportunity to do it. And um, it definitely changes your perspective when you get to go out and come back in. Just listening has just been soothing and just <laughs> dreamy and just. And you don't have to feel guilty about using boxed pasta because they do it too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, before we leave, one last thing. Did, yes. you, did you go on a gondola? No, I was not in Venice. Okay. So I did not go on a gondola. Okay. But as they say, next time. Next I'll time. That. Yep. Claire, she really wants you to be on a gondola. You know she why? She really wants you to row something. I was on a gondola in Venice, Las Vegas. Does that count? Yes. <laughs> no. No, the answer is no. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing Italy to us, Claire. Love you guys, and I'm glad to be back. Woohoo. Love it. Well, we're just going to end it with this is Listen and Learn or Not. not.